0: Break podcast. I'm your host Chris Corlew, and with me is my co-host Bob Sacora. Talking about books.
1: Talking about books.
0: Talking about poetry. Is that
1: we said. Completely <laughs> unprepared for it, but that's the only way to get started. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the only way to get rolling. started. Uh,
0: it is. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded, but it, it just hit me this morning that we did talking about books, talking about poetry, and then said, "Let's change it," and then never did. <laughs> So this is our uh, first episode, Um, coming to you live from uh, the back room of my apartment. So if you hear a baby in the background, uh, that's why. Um, There's an 18 month old running around. We're just going to do a little brief introduction about who we are and then read you guys some poems and
1: yeah, see how it goes,
0: see how it goes, alright, Bob, who the hell are you? Who is,
1: how do you explain who I am? To a theoretical podcast audience who wants to hear us talk about poems, Uh, I myself am a poet. Uh, I am currently uh, living that really, um, you know, bountiful uh, adjunct professor life teaching at community college. Um, I edit a literary journal called Vagabond City. Um, I am a Californian living in Chicago, miserable with February weather right now. Um, I think that's a lot of details about myself.
0: That's a pretty good philosophical background, I'd <laughs> say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I am a, uh, if Bob's a Californian living in Chicago, I'm a Tennessean living in Chicago. Also not pleased with February. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I would call myself a poet, but it has been a while since I have written a poem. Also a uh, fiction writer and a musician. Um... And a dad. Most of what I am these Probably days is a dad. number one, yeah, Most yeah. of what I am these days is a dad. Which is a good
1: thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Not complaining. A, a, um, a strong trait um, in you as a human being is that your number one thing is being a dad. Well, um, it is just, you recognize once you become a dad, like, that's the number one job for sure. You
0: are a dad, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Bob. Um, so yeah, we're going to read some poems. The premise for this episode is just... Um, sort of poems that give you a little introduction about who we are. Um, and so uh, Bob, why don't you start with the poem? Oh
1: goodness, alright. Um, I certainly, you tell me to introduce myself via a poem, talk about something that I could overthink to death, you know, endlessly. And I was looking through my bookshelf, certainly my first instinct is to pull out some Ross Gay. Um, one of the problems with all of Ross Gay's poems um, that I really love. A few of the short ones really do hit it, but he writes some pretty long poems, uh, and uh, you, you should you should listen to him read them more than me reading a really long Ruskay poem, um, but a good friend of Ruskay, um, and a poem that's been really important to me in the past year or so. Um, this is by Gabrielle Um It's called Hammond, B3 Organ Cistern. The days I don't want to kill myself are extraordinary deep base all the people in the streets waiting for their high fives and leaping i mean leaping when they see me i am the sun-filled god of love or at least an optimistic undersecretary there should be a word for it the days you wake up and do not want to slit your throat money in the bank Enough for an ice-green tea every weekday, and a Saturday and Sunday. It's like being in the armpit of a Hammond B3 organ. Just reeks of gratitude and funk, the funk of ages. I am not going to ruin my love's life today. It's like the time I said yes to gray sneakers, but then the salesman said, wait, And there, out of the back room, like the bakery's first biscuits, bright blue kicks, iridescent, like a scarab. Oh, who am I kidding? It was nothing like a scarab. It was like bright blue fucking sneakers. I did not want to die that day. Oh my God, why don't we talk about it? How good it feels. And if you don't know, then you're lucky. But also, you poor thing. Bring the band out on the stoop. Let the whole neighborhood hear. Come on, everybody. Say it with me nice and slow. No pills. No cliff. No brains on the floor. Bring the bass back. No rope. No hose. Not today, Satan. Every day I wake up with my good fortune and news of my demise. Don't keep it from me. Why don't we have a name for it? Bring the bass back. Bring the band out on the stoop. Hallelujah.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, (laughs) my first time hearing that poem was, uh, or reading that poem rather, was this morning. and my goodness what a poem it is Um, it is um, so very clearly about something so heavy but with such a light heart and so many interwoven images and metaphors and um, I looked up scarab I knew I knew what a scarab was but like I googled it and I was like oh yeah (laughs) and then but like I immediately like well looking at pictures of, like, bejeweled Egyptian beetles. I was like, yeah, but a pair of Jordans is cooler. <laughs> um, yeah, that poem's wonderful and um, affirming.
1: Right. I think, as you said, it kind of hit me, um, you know, trying to think of what I would say in terms of why this one um, and as an introduction to kind of something that excites me or interests me about any poem. Um, and I, I've talked... Um, in classes um, to students about this idea of, if I want to tell you something very directly, I shouldn't write a poem about it. Um, sure. So often, yeah. um, the things that excite me in other people's poems, and, and I think why I'm drawn to writing my own poems, is to, to deal with those feelings that are intense and messy and hard and complicated, and, and language is not gonna capture it all, but it's also gonna help me get closer to understanding it or to expressing it—that's um, exactly it. Like, yeah. I mean,
0: well, usually, like, yeah, the I think a lot of people can identify with this. That you you write for those reasons to deal with those feelings. Right. But like, I mean, if you're in like a serious crisis, you fucking call somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, <laughs> like, you don't um, you don't sugarcoat it with imagery and, and metaphor and stuff right. like that. But if you if you want to do the work of inst- introspection and um, uh, um, your own sort of you know uh, therapeutic massaging of your right. brain that's that's what you approach poetry for sometimes
1: right yeah, yeah. and I love um, a poem that has the sense of gratitude and and joy really um, that is it's it's about such an awful heavy feeling you know and, and certainly so this, this says it was published November 2018. Um, and I, I doubt I read it right away. Um, I'm sure I saw this on Twitter at some point, um, and I definitely heard um, heard her read this on the Commonplace podcast when she was on there, and it was like a killer episode. Um, you know, but I certainly this was a poem that I read when I was not at the peak of my life sure sure uh, yeah you know i trying to remember which job i was in between at that point and, oh lord and, uh, was i still uh, living in my friend's side room or, or right. what was going on and you know thank thankfully um you know not something as intense i think as suicidal ideation um but you know just uh to to look around um in, in spite of whatever troubles, and to remember, like, hey, I'm i making it, I'm I'm here today. Like, that's something that is so helpful to grab onto.
0: Right, right. It seems clear that the poem is about suicidal ideation, but you don't have to necessarily have experienced that feeling to right. I understand it and, mm-hmm. and, and and sort of vibe with it. Like, it's you know, you can just you can just have your ordinary run of the mill existential crisis. So, right. Um, yeah, where it's just like, what's my purpose here today? Why am, I, yeah. why am I getting out of bed? Kind of
1: thing. And I guess, like, thinking of that idea of, you know, of I don't know, mixed or complex, whatever feelings, one of the things that I, th- I think she does so great in here um, is these sort of kind of like back and forths of saying one thing and then like pulling it, tugging it back in the other direction. Um, I am the sun filled god of love. Or at least an optimistic undersecretary, (laughs) qualifying it. Um, Yeah, I love that. And uh, I mean, the the really kind of intense one. um, Where did it go? There's a there's a line break. Importantly. Hey. (laughs) Um, Sorry, this
0: is uh, an audio medium, not a visual medium. I just pointed (laughs) at Bob and made a suggestive face.
1: That I stared into the camera after saying the, the, the name of the movie.
0: There's a whole lot of Jim Halpert faces flying around this room right now.
1: But uh, the line break. I am not going to ruin line break my love's life today. You know, yeah. and that importance of that know, one really stuck out yeah, to me too. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Of like, it that's is important really, yeah. that I'm not doing this for me, but also like a lot of that joy just coming out of like, I'm not going to hurt this other these other people. This right. other person. Yeah, right.
0: that's a part of living. You live for other people. Right. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's- yeah. Um, like and like you already said, the, the, the bright blue kicks turn is so good <laughs> and so relatable. Um, as someone who was uh, known to uh, uh, certainly creep around, but I believe there was a period of time, probably freshman year of high school, where I was a regular poster on the Nike Talk message board. Oh part. man! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, wait, way to date yourself, by the way, the Nike you. Talk message board. <laughs>
1: Yeah, part of the reason that I'm comfortable sharing that information is that I am sure that is a website that is no longer up in oh, an No way. <laughs> no, way.
0: <laughs> would you say how would you say that poem informs your writing, if uh, at all?
1: I was just reading this somewhere, and it's certainly a um a notion that they've heard before and tried to internalize. Um I'm mad that I'm not gonna be able to place where where i read this um and i think it was in in poet form um, which actually does make me think uh it was in richard Zucker's book sound machine um, which i recently finished also really loved um but uh this this notion of, of a resisting narrative mm-hmm. um and like that that you know poems for the most part you do that that's that's part of their, their, their traits um, and I just I know for myself it's really easy to get stuck in I'm writing a poem and it's coming from a memory and like kind of almost just telling the story of this memory mm-hmm. um, you know and and certainly I don't think I'm beholden in any way to like a beginning middle end or any sort of arc over that um, but I think I I want to try as often as possible to kind of resist even further than that um, and, and this does what, yeah, what so many poems I love do, of that it follows poem logic or, you know, what is similar to dream logic, what is similar to the subconscious logic or whatever. Um, of I am thinking about this idea and I leap from thing to thing, from notion to image um, in, a, in a way that makes sense. And mm-hmm. also, like, yeah. if you want me to break it down and tell you how she got from line to line, like, it's wild. Yeah. you know. Um, love, love that. I love, as we said, kind of those, those switches... Um, Some are via line break and some are just straight across the line of like, we are jumping backwards. I am taking back what I said. Mm -hmm. I love uncertainty in poems. Um, A big shout out to my friend Stephanie Roberts. We've had uh, uh, many conversations via email and sometimes just via tweets um, about how important that is, um, I think, in in both of our writing and and the way we read and what we look for. and that I, I think that's in that's so kind of crucial to this of of reaching towards that joy and reaching towards that gratitude and and that I am alive today and I'm thrilled about it right um, but also recognizing just how much ache and awfulness that does come from and that that interplay between the two yeah um,
0: well yeah that's like that's the that's the goal of the lyric right? yeah you know right. I mean to to resist narrative and to capture the totality of a feeling Um, yes and yeah that's uh you know i mean there's gonna be a lot of push-pull on this podcast uh because bob is primarily a lyric poet and i am primarily a fiction writer (laughs) um about like um the differences and um similarities of the two mediums Um, but that to me even as more of a fiction writer Is super key like resisting the easy narrative resisting just rewriting a memory right um, and and really capturing like you know a feeling or you know uh, if you're writing about a person you knew or something like the essence of the character you're writing about or something like that um, uh, the experience the reader gets from reading your poem and the experience you have of writing it like we were talking about earlier with the trying to get deeper into the feeling of it right. kind of thing right. yeah. yeah yeah man that's great Bob Ugh.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess if I would leave with one last thing that I love about this um, and I love about her work in general her her last book um, rocket fantastic um, which this poem isn't in which I hope means that there's new work coming down the line um but uh that in addition to that to breath of of feeling that can be in one poem um the reference points kind of being all over the place that's something i strive for yeah that, oh you yeah, know that we uh, in, in tone and language and content that you know to have um, a
0: scarab and a pair of high tops right the same you know yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and, and
1: we haven't even touched on the idea of it's named after the organ that's one of those things that right
0: as, yeah. like, super... What's the armpit of a Hammond B3 like? <laughs> I know what a Hammond B3 sounds like. You know? That was
1: something, I think I had read this poem tons of times where I even thought to Google it and to, like, yeah. to hear the sound and be like, oh man, this is another layer And I yeah. love...
0: I mean, it is, the, it is the warmest keyboard. Okay. It, it is the warmest <laughs> keyboard.
1: Um, and I think that's something certainly um, I want to strive for in my own writing um, is to you know, have a, 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 a breath. Said that before, but uh, you know, yeah, this gap between my tone, my vocabulary, what pools of knowledge that I'm grabbing from, you know, sure, and, and I and yeah. like, I think, yeah, it's it's easy to whenever you have, I think it's easy to kind of fall into like this is my voice, this is my lane. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. um, and I and I think she's very comfortable. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's, right, let's right. Um, you know, again, even in a heavy poem, let's have some fun with language and ideas, and... Oof.
0: For yeah. sure. Yeah. I like that. All right, yeah. Your turn. All right. Yeah. I'll take a turn. Okay. So my poem is A Step Away From Them by Frank O'Hara, or St. Francis, as I call him. <laughs> a Step Away From Them. Oh, and, uh, I should say, content warning, this poem was written in 1956, and, uh, has some racially 1956 language. Um, nothing I think is too offensive, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be reading it, but um, uh, um, uh, maybe different to our ears in 2020. A step away from them. It's my lunch hour, so I go for a walk among the hum-colored cabs, first down the sidewalk where laborers feed their dirty, glistening torsos sandwiches and cor- Coca Cola with yellow helmets on. They protect them from falling bricks, I guess. Then onto the avenue, where skirts are flipping above heels and blow up over grates. The sun is hot, but the cabs stir up in the air. I look at bargains and wristwatches. There are cats playing in sawdust. On to Times Square, where the sign blows smoke over my head and higher the waterfall pours lightly. A negro stands in the doorway with a toothpick, languorously agitating. A blonde chorus girl clicks. He smiles and rubs his chin. Everything suddenly honks. It is the 1240 of a Tuesday. Neon in daylight is a great pleasure, as Edwin Dedwin would write. We are light bulbs in daylight. I stop for a cheeseburger at Juliet's corner. Julieta Messina, wife of Frederico Fellini, Elbele Latrice, and chocolate malted. A lady in foxes on such a day puts her poodle in a cab. There are several Puerto Ricans on the avenue today, which makes it beautiful and warm. First Bunny died, then John Latouche, then Jackson Pollock. But is the earth as full of life as life was full of them? And one has eaten... And one walks, past the magazines with nudes, and the posters for Bullfight, and the Manhattan storage warehouse, which they'll soon tear down. I used to think they had the armory show there. A glass of papaya juice and back to work. My heart is in my pocket. It is poems by Pierre Reverdy.
1: Frank. Frank. Do it. Just do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I guess what attracted me to this poem is, uh, as I told Bob uh, earlier, it was the first poem to make me care about poetry. Um, it was day one of my sophomore year um, poetry workshop, uh, which uh, was taught by uh, our, uh, our friend Joshua Marie Wilkinson. and. He just pulled this book, *Lunch Poems*, out of his bag. Read that poem, and I thought to myself, I didn't know poetry could be that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just assumed it was like, you know, all quatrains and couplets and right. and rhyming and stuff like that. I was I was in that poetry workshop because I had to be for my uh, creative writing concentration. Right. Um, and he read that poem and gave us a brief little biography of. Franco O'Hara and that how he'd just take his lunch break and, uh, walk around the city and write down what he saw. And I was like, that's rad as hell. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, so yeah, that just, uh, that always stuck with me as like, oh, that can be an art form too. Right. Um, we just talked about resisting narrative, but like that can be a narrative that can be a, a feeling that can be a, Hey, this is my lunch break today right and as long as the language is interesting and i'm not just saying like you know i went to the drive through a taco bell or whatever you know <laughs> like um uh this this can be an interesting art form which right. you know i suppose is the lyric as we were talking for about. sure about um, and it just uh um that poem was an was an opening of doors for me uh in terms of art and the way we write and the way we express things and uh um yeah I, uh, I get a little sentimental about it
1: there we go that origin story i love it yeah man um, and i hadn't, hadn't heard quite all of those details before mm. um so that's cool to think about and i wish i i wish i had a more clear poetry origin story after hearing that i mean, i think like you're saying um because I, I was curious when you sent me this one, why this Franco O'Hara poem? Um, and and it's, literally, it's, just the first one I heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a lovely poem, um, and it is. I mean, all the poems that book.
0: Yeah, and I would more say more. it's not even my favorite Franco O'Hara, right. O'Hara poem. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah,
1: that's just, the first one. Yeah, um, but it, I mean, it also just like does capture something that he does so well. Of, it does feel like. Got on his lunch break, went for a rock, walk, wrote this down, let it go. Right, you know, but he's so much better than that. And right, that, exactly. Like I I
0: know him. in my head that he didn't just like hand his editor like a bunch of post-it notes. Right, but that's what I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know
1: exactly it, that it has that feeling, and I just I I just know from myself and from peers um, that when you try and write that way. It's hard. <laughs> it is way harder it, than you it, think it is. Absolutely, and he makes it feel effortless. And that, yeah, it is this starting from this relatively casual place, and I'm just observing things. And then, you know, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's a poem about loss. Um, he he is thinking about mortality here, mm-hmm. um, and I mean uh, that that final. A lot month. of people die in this poem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and and uh, that final, he does do a little stanza break here. A glass of papaya juice and back to work. My heart is in my pocket. It is poems by Pierre Reverdy. Oh, yeah. The heart David. is in my pocket. It's
0: a book of poems. it's right. Devastating. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Both devastating and also something that no one can ever do again. Like no,
0: no, I know, absolutely I... <laughs> not. The last I ever heard of someone carrying a book in their pocket, it was like Bradley Cooper talking about being in college. <laughs> <laughs> and he would like walk around I, whatever book it was I think it was like a little leader or something like in a blazer pocket right. or whatever and yeah Bradley. something like that uh, no shade to <laughs> Bradley Cooper and, a little, yeah, bit, of a little uh, bit, of okay. bit of shade a little bit tiny bit of shade the other thing this is a, a strange quirk of my mind but the okay. uh, the glass of a papaya juice um, I'd never heard of papaya juice until like I don't know it must have been like 2011 or something like that <laughs> And I was watching a uh, an episode of uh, No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And he was in New York. And he was like, oh, yeah, after a night drinking, you always have to have a glass of papaya juice. <laughs> and I was like, the hell is papaya juice? Like, I'd never had... I'd barely been aware that papaya was a fruit right. at that point in my yeah. life. And uh, so now, anytime I think of papaya juice, which I have since had, and it's quite lovely, <laughs> <laughs> it... It's never cured a hangover for me, but whatever. I've
1: never experimented with it yeah. as a hangover cure. Okay.
0: Well, it's <laughs> never worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> mixes with Rumwell though. Um, Fair. But, uh, uh, yeah, for some weird reason, I, I I associate it with New York, because right. that Bourdain episode yeah. is uh, about being in New York, and Frank O'Hara is so, so, so much a New York poet. Right. Um, so it's... It, to me, is, like, a weird opening into, like, a, you know, a place I've only been to a couple times and I don't know <laughs> very well, you know. It's just, like, just something I think about and I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, papaya juice, that's a New York thing. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's a weird quirk, I but it's that. it's in my brain. I mean, it's in my brain.
1: I mean, and, and and Frank O'Hara makes New York so <laughs>
0: It makes it seem so much better than it actually is. Sorry to everyone who lives in New York. The city kind of sucks.
1: I, I have mostly good feelings about New York. Um, for years, I, I had, a, I don't know, pen up. I'm from L.A. Bias against New York. I don't, I don't really understood, really understand that I, when I was living on the East Coast for a little bit, made a couple trips up there and I was like, God damn it, I like this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love visiting um, it. It's it's so much more whimsical in his poem, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, he, I mean, he does capture the like the movement and the, kind of the, the right. chaotic chaos and the you know you see this, you see this, you see this. Yeah, um, uh, he's so good. It's not fair. I, I'm mad. I think I've told you this before, but I feel like a lot of poets I I talk to, um, you know, they got they got into Frank O'Hara at some point when they were college age ish. Um, yeah, I'm really jealous of anyone who was reading Frank O'Hara younger than that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I have one person in my head right now who I'm thinking, I bet you were reading Frank O'Hara in high school I hate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I feel like I, I just like totally missed that and I, I remember reading, is the poem just called Oranges or, no, the poem is called Why I'm Not a Painter. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like that's the that one I remember, I it? In, it might be in there, that's the one I remember reading in college um, and I, I just like didn't have that I'm an obsess over Frank O'Hara until a number of years after college and just it was one of those things where it's like you idiot this was right there <laughs> in front of you mm-hmm. um and, and you just kind of missed it yeah um and, and, I, and I feel like you know I, I could have sworn I'd done this, this deep dive into Frank and you know pulled out a library collected version um and then somehow on Twitter every two months is maybe too often but probably pretty close to that I see someone post a small Frank poem that I've never seen before and I'm just like,
0: yeah well I have so I'm reading out of lunch poems Mm -hmm. and uh, I think uh, why I'm not a painter must be in meditations on an emergency Um, I have no less than two collected Frank O'Hara books on my um, uh, on my shelf because I told my parents I like Frank O'Hara and they (laughs) just went nuts but um, uh, there is a poem there's another poem that Josh read in class I think that same semester um, that isn't in either of the collected works. Really? So it's just poems floating yeah, around. Right. Just like <laughs> floating around. And it's, oh man, I, um, now I can't remember what the, uh, I think it's called episode or poem. I have, it's like poem and then parentheses something. He has like a billion of those. Right, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think the, the, the last line is something like, I love you and I'm not calling back don't call back and if something like that it's like that's like this really harsh like it's like a a a clearly heartbroken like breakup poem and it's just like it's wonderful and i can't find it anywhere (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) if we can just find that poem this entire thing will be a success (laughs) if we can go from this conversation i think it's probably in my email somewhere
0: from josh actually but you know whatever
1: still still uh we have to set our goals poems are good poems are good (laughs) Yo, that's the... Good. That's how we're... That's how we're that's ending this whole thing. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I remember I had two more things I wanted to say. Um, I guess one was, I think, every, similarly, everyone I know who loves poetry probably does have that moment where, like, someone just broke open what poems can be for them. Um, and just as someone who's... I've been in education uh, essentially for 10 years in some capacity now. Um, and and I know when I was a high school teacher, I regret almost everything about the way I taught poetry. Mm, um, I, yeah. and I, I just, I high so school them, curriculums
0: do that though. It's, I just yeah. I'm sure so many people
1: have that similar experience of whatever they were doing in high school with poems was not at all the way that we should read poems. Um, and and so I, I'm just delight over that concept of knowing that you know like, that somebody breaks the definition of poetry for you, and that's when you understand what poetry is almost. You yeah, know? that's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the final thing I will leave us on is, is, is uh, I, I can't help it whenever I see a copy of the of the, the, the small versions of the Franco O'Hara books I think it's mm-hmm. put out by City Lights um, and I don't even think he's reading it in the episode but it's still I just I picture uh, Don Draper reading Meditations on Embrace oh yeah, yeah yeah makes yeah. Me yeah. laugh every time
0: <laughs> I, I think about that image often but because, especially, you have to get a little removed from it, and so, okay, you imagine the character of Don Draper, mm-hmm. living in New York at the same time as Frank O'Hara was mm-hmm. writing I think maybe in that episode, uh, I'd have to check the timeline, which I'm not going to do. <laughs> uh, Frank O'Hara might be dead at that point, right. uh, tragically. And, um, but it also means that <laughs> Matthew Weiner, who there are some rumors about him being a bit of a scuzzball has at some point read Frank O'Hara and was like, you know what I'm going to do? Put this in my TV show. <laughs> <laughs> like he bought Meditations in Emergency as a prop.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As we're saying this, I'm remembering, I remember, in my head I was picturing a scene where he's reading it in bed, but there's another scene where he's reading it in a bar and some guy yeah
0: like 10 in the morning or something like or that or no
1: he sees a guy reading the bar asking how it is and the guy that's says it. I don't think you'd get it or something like that.
0: that's it that's 100% it and then he's later I think he's reading like, it oh, a guy guy, reading or maybe yeah. in his office or something yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I guess I guess yeah the, the stretching that out onto the the real life circumstance of and one of the things we talked about earlier is, is the weirdness of um Frank O'Hara being somewhat of a celebrity as a poet in his time, yeah, um, yeah, and and to think of the most white collarist and and just not what I would associate with a fan <laughs> reading it, you know, right. that that certainly I guess did have. Yeah, it must have. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and
0: I wonder if part of that is, and maybe this is why it was included. Part of that is like the magic of a city. Yeah. You know uh-huh. where. Um, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but you can do, like, sort of cross-class boundaries and sure. uh, things like that, right. I guess. I wonder. I don't know.
1: I mean, we're talking a lot about New York, but I, I heard this rumor about um, Chicago is actually over everything.
0: I I heard, I heard tell that Chicago <laughs> over everything. I did hear tell that Chicago <laughs> over everything.
1: So <laughs> well, make sure of, our allegiances are clear.
0: Yes. Speaking of Chicago yeah. being over everything... Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that I know I have the right answer to, Uh-oh. but uh, I want to hear your perspective on it. Why is your favorite basketball team your favorite basketball team? The right answer is the Chicago Bulls, which is not your favorite the basketball team, but answer, it's my favorite basketball team, but I want to hear from you first. The
1: is the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I have looked up the exact date for this, and I would need to do it again, because I don't think I have it, but I believe the year was 1994, um, and I was just starting to get interested in basketball, I had some friends who played, um, and my dad got tickets to a Lakers versus Clippers game, I believe the Clippers were at home. Um, He had made some statements about them being the underdog, and I did not understand what that meant, and uh, basically the plan was, whoever won that game, that was going to be my team. Um, This was in the bit of time where Magic Johnson was retired. Uh, Shaq had not come to the Lakers. Kobe was not around in 1994. Clippers won that game, and uh, been uh, rooting for... historically bad team for a very long time <laughs> but this might actually be the year this might be the year this might be the year I still am, I'm pulling for him this year I still I, I, I wear a Clippers shirt to the gym regularly and I, I assume people look at me and think I'm a bandwagon fan
0: that's only this year though right? <laughs> I mean like even during the Griffin Paul years like no you couldn't have been a bandwagon who was on that team in 94 did you have uh, what Danny Manning
1: I don't know if he was still there uh, gosh Lloyd Vaught maybe Um, I don't even think Piat Kelsey was around (laughs) yet I don't think Mo Taylor was around yet I certainly Pooh Richardson, maybe? Sure This is stretching
0: (laughs) I mean, the 94 Lakers had Nick Van Exel and famous virgin A.C. Green
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I believe they probably had Vlade Divac Yeah, they
0: would have had Vlade at that time because they traded Vlade for Kobe Right yeah. Yeah Uh, well, my favorite basketball team <laughs> <laughs> is the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Um, and that is because uh, children are terrible front runners. And growing up in Tennessee, there were no professional sports teams. Yeah, this would have been before the Titans came. Uh, this would have been before the Predators were even created. And there's... I forgot about
1: the. the... Natural Predators. Natural natural Predators, yeah. Yeah. It would have
0: been before the Memphis Grizzlies were even the Vancouver Grizzlies. Uh Um, And I remember getting an issue of Sports Illustrated for Kids in the mail when Michael Jordan unretired. And they were making such a big deal about him unretiring. I was like, all right, this is cool. I like these red uniforms. (laughs) This guy looks cool. And then they started ripping off championships. And I was like is pretty nice it's, that's pretty cool and then i at age 10 begged my parents to take me on a trip to chicago it was one of the most fun few days i'd ever had in my life to that point point. and it indirectly influenced why i live in chicago <laughs> 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 because when i went to college all i knew was i wanted to get out of tennessee right and uh i applied all over the country and was like you know I kind of just want to move to Chicago (laughs) (laughs) and it's more or less because Michael Jordan unretired in
1: 1995 (sighs) I will also echo though that I was getting into basketball I said like 94 when I went to that game I probably wasn't super into it um a couple years later, like my best friend was like playing Park League basketball, and so I start and I joined this team. Yeah, that's around the too. They had lost all their games at that point, so they're like, sure, anyone please come. and I was tall at that point. Uh, only tallish now. But uh, but similarly, still a power forward though. Started watching you know, Michael Jordan because he was on national television all the time and was just it's over. It's it's right. it's, it's incredible. It's still the best thing to watch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I mean it's just yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I think that'll do it for episode one of the Line Break Podcast.
1: Breaking some lines.
0: Breaking some lines. (laughs) We got to come up with a tagline with the word sejura in there.
1: Stretch. Stretch. You're done. done. (laughs) I'm
0: being played out by my baby. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right.